Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR 132A. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Good to be with you all again. Y'all, yes, I am from the American South. Good to be with you guys. Greetings, salutations, allo, bonjour, salut. Hope it's been a good week so far. It's been a busy one, but a pleasant one for me, I'll tell you that. Uh, doing a movie called Made to Kill. You'll hear about that in a few months. Really looking forward to it. Spoiler alert. I play, actually, I can't really talk about it much, but I don't play a librarian, put it that way. Um, Shorzy season two, I hear good things about. A lot of people are asking me. I'm, I'm the, I, you know, I'm the last one. I've heard, heard good things. But uh, a lot of people, that information changes hands, or I guess you'd say ears and eyes, many, many, many times before I hear about it. So all I can tell you guys is that I hear good things. But please don't send me 600 messages asking the same question because it's going to be the same as it was last week. And if I knew for sure, I wouldn't be the one to say it, right? I'm not going to do that even though 
it's a DM and it slides in and you think, you know what, just tell me, I won't tell anybody else. It's not going to be that. I'm not going to risk everything. And a written contract, I'm going to risk that to just tell Jake McFarlane from Wasu Creek, Ontario, or wherever the hell it is. I appreciate all you guys tune in. I really don't know. I hear good things. I mean, but I figured that anyway. The show's getting great reviews. In any case, that's it. I'm going to answer that now to all of you. I hear great things. Pay attention in the new year. And if I hear about it, I'm going to... You think I wouldn't post it? I'll post it immediately. I'd be only so happy and excited to hear about more Shorzy. Like I said, I could see no reason why they'll, they would stop it. Seem to at least not only be fairly popular, but, you know, when I see people talk about it, just like Letter Kenny, I see him smile. You know, it's one of those shows. Laker, Seinfeld or not, I love it. People who like it smile. My favorite comedy of all time is probably Arrested Development. Those who get it, get it. A lot of people don't like it. But the ones who like it, smile. It, it, comedies tend to do that, and... Shows, you know, not all of Shorzy's a comedy. There is, I think there's a lot of depth to Shorzy that it might not see in Letterkenny. Uh, and I love exploring those characters. I hope we can do it a little bit more. But there's a lot of comedy involved. And generally, I think positive, even though Shorzy's a bit of a fuck up, we all are. There's positive messages and there's, they're likable goofballs, right? Any show I ever could think about, even real life scenarios, Who's a likable goofball? Dennis Rodman. There you go. Dennis Rodman's a likable goofball. Uh, and uh, so I guess people just identify with that sort of shit. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that right now. I'm sure the time will come very soon. What I'm here to talk about is my guest in a couple days going to be Jason McDonald. They call him Frenchie. They call him J-Mac. They call him Daddy Mac. Uh, J Max, one of my real, real good friends, old school, um, from Prince Edward Island. My, my, I, I've had David Ling on here and, you know, he's one of the closest friends I've ever had as far as a teammate. Well, they're the same age. They're from Charlottetown PEI. And we go, you know, back as long as I've known Dave, I've known Jason. So we're going back to the nineties. And actually the first time, I think the first time I actually met Jason McDonald, was standing next to him on the face-off circle, and we fought. Uh, he says I won it, but you know he fell down at the end, but he got a few great punches in. The guy was a real, real, real tough character. Um, he was, like me, mid that fought the heavies. I don't know if there was a year, though, that I really came in. Jason had some crazy years. He had like 300, over 300 penalty minutes a few times. He joined that world of like tough, tough guy. He was never getting like one shift. And I fought all the, I fought them all, man. Like I used to kind of get off on fighting guys that were bigger. It's because I didn't like the pressure to have to win a fight. I don't want to fight someone smaller than me. I'd rather see what I can do against the big guys, right? Well, everybody gets momentum that way. I mean, I did fight Taidomi kind of for a, for a story and for, <laughs> to impress my buddies and a girl at home. But, you know, I, I knew that if I just hung in there with him that, you know, my bench would get a rise out of it. And 
So that was a lot of my thinking, as I've often talked about on here. But but J Mac will be humble when he's on here. I guarantee it. But he no, he bit off, and he chewed some big time fights. Like he, <clears throat> yeah, he was a regular. You know, Jason McDonald and a, and a fifty goals in junior. 50, 45 in like 55 games the next year, 55 goals in the OHL. We're right in the pro. I remember the year before I got to Fredericton, um, which was weird because I thought he was great. The year before I got to Fredericton, I knew of Jason. I think I'd met him in the summer, to be honest with you. Right? So I'm in junior. I'm looking in. I'm with Montreal. Their farm team's the Fredericton Canadians. J-Mac, 60-odd games. He had 25 goals and like 200 or 250 penalty minutes. He could do it all. And then I came in, and, uh, you know, that was the year I fought him. He was in St. John. He went to play for the Canadian national team. Uh, but it didn't make sense. He would have been perfect to play with. But, um, I mean, you know, in a way, I kind of bumped him out, I think, if you think about it, because I played like he did. He shot right, I shot left. So we were the very, very similar player from uh, from the other side, you know. And uh, just similar type, similar size. And like I said, we were mids that fought the heavies, right? Aaron Asham, another guy, you know, real, real similar um, in their style. I'm not, you know, Ash played. The, the difference between us and Aaron Asham is that he played like fucking 900 NHL games. I'm just saying, right, there's, there's a relative knowledge within fans and players. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, who knows? what these junior players will turn out like. I remember wanting to be like Rick Tockett or Cam Neely, right? And when I say that, sometimes people go, oh, you think you're Cam Neely? Well, no, but I think I could be like back then. You know, you why would I have any goals? What, otherwise, what am I going to do? I got to the NHL, um, got hurt or whatever. But, you know, I, I knew when I was up there, then I probably wouldn't be, but I figured I could fit in. I still say, you know, fourth line, come on. Uh, same thing with J-Mac, uh, you know, but you, 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 uh, to me, I, I don't know what every, I honestly don't talk to many people about how they visualize their goals. One thing maybe I should talk about more because it's interesting, but for me, it was always the, the top, you know, I, I, I really did picture myself and my favorite team was the Habs when I was younger. You know, I, I'm not making that up. There's pictures in my book. The oldest pic- I didn't wear any other memorabilia, no jersey, no nothing, other than Montreal Canadiens from the time I was one or two years old. So, of course, I mean, I wanted to play in the NHL. And it's a naive goal when you're a kid. So does everybody, I guess, that plays hockey. But for me, I wanted to. And I visualized, you know, playing for the Canadians just because it was my favorite team. I mean, the way it happened was so fluky and and, and awesome, really, if you think about it. But I, you know, that's what I pictured, skating around, and I knew the odds were, I didn't know. Now, looking back, the odds were highly against me, weren't they? But I didn't know that at the time. It was my goal. When I got to junior, of course, I figured out that, you know, it's not everybody here is going to get drafted, especially not real high. So the goals changed, but I still pictured myself playing. If anybody asked me, who do you play like? Who do you want to play like? Who's your favorite player? It was can't, I, you know, I, I mean, I, it's possible not to like Wayne Gretzky. I loved Steve Eisenman, the way he handled himself. I mean, there's probably times he was my favorite. But really, really, I wanted to be like Cam Neely and Rick Tockett, Chris Nyland. That, that's really guys that I, I thought that, you know, I, I, I can do that. I, I can 
play like that. I don't know if I can get 50 like Cam Neely or 40 like Rick Tockett here or even 20 like Chris Nyland. But that's the way I want to play. Right? I want to go out there. I want to get a regular shift. I want to finish hits. I want to play like they did. I want to uh, create room with my body. I want to go to the front of the net. I want to tip pucks in. Now, how good I will be at it, who knows? Who knows? But that was my, you know, I, I didn't go around picturing, I don't know, Tom Chorsky. You know what I mean? Like, he, no offense against him. He played a lot longer than I did. He was on the Habs. I mean, I'm sure there's kids that do. So don't get me wrong. I wasn't a cocky kid or anything, but I, those are the goals I set. So anyway, J-Mac was very, very similar um, in relative terms. He was uh, 20, 20 to 30 goals like five times in the AHL and then hung on in his last few years. You know, he wasn't on the power play or anything anymore, but still hung in like 200, 300, 330 penalty minutes. I was like a 29-year-old in the A. You know, I mean, this guy was fucking tough. Uh, fought all the tough guys, too. No fucking jokes with Jason McDonald. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, some of these guys, I won't mention names, but I used to fucking hate it because scouts, I'd go, I wonder if scouts realize that so-and-so fights fucking pushovers, right? End of the game melee and grab fucking Valerie Bure or some shit. Me and J-Mac are fighting Wade Belak. I mean, I used to look at, but you just get the same penalty minutes whether you fight Martin St. Louis or fucking Derek the Boogeyman Bugard, right? You get the same penalty minutes. So I used to wonder at the end of the year. And, I, and I'd, sometimes I'd hear people talk about so-and-so and he's really tough. And I go, no, he's not. He's in my division. He got a lot of penalty minutes. He's not tough. I've asked him 10 times he won't go. And I got 300 less penalty minutes. I guess 200. I did have a lot in the A. Uh, but meaning some guys had 400 penalty minutes. And I'm serious. They weren't tough. It was a fucking joke. Scarier, Darren Langdon would get 90 penalty minutes on the air. Why? Because people were scared fucking shitless to fight him. He would have done it. But for the lack of ice time and people just being fucking scared, uh, that's why a lot of guys look at fucking Tony Twist, same thing. Larry Robinson going back. Sometimes these guys didn't have penalty minutes to to match the reputation of a quote-unquote goon. Uh, you know, I hate to use the word goon because they're not goons, but especially not Larry Robinson. But, uh, you know, it wasn't always penalty minutes. A lot of people, there's an art to getting penalty minutes. Guy here, Todd Gillingham, he used to, I mean, Gilly fought people too, but, but, but Gilly used to, you know, Tell the ref to go fuck himself, throw his stick, crack it off on the way off, right? Gesture to the fans, 10-minute con- misconduct, 10-minute misconduct, game misconduct. Gilly would frequently get 30 to 40 penalty minutes on one shift, all to do respect to him. He, he was playing. He was a hard, hard guy to play against. But, you know, he would have more penalty minutes than – I'm trying to think who was tough. Hey, Jody Shelley, Sean Thornton, Steve McLaren. But it didn't mean he was tougher, right? Uh, and, and again, no disrespect, but there was guys going around, man, predators. There was, you were you were a little fish, uh, at least for, for me. I used to think like I'm I'm a fish, and I, I I'm serious. I used to think this like, and I'm 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 swimming. I'm on the coast, and I'm swimming to a. I can see the ship, right? It's 180 feet away, probably. I got a, and there's five sharks swimming around. If we played Philly, it would be. Jesse Bolaris, uh, 
Steve McLaren, Francis LeSerbe, Francis Belanger, and I don't know, Ryan Bast, who could fight, but he wasn't those guys. But I'm just trying to think, but Philly always had, or, or Frank fucking by Lois there. There you go. Five of them. Right? And I, as, as a guy like me and Mac, I'm thinking score, right? That's why I, I, I'm thinking I get the puck. I want to weave my offensive magic or whatever flair it is I have for offense. I mean, I can do it, and that's part of the reason I'm here. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to carry that puck up the ice, and I'm going to have to get around. And I don't mean, like, go around and make them look stupid or make a move on them. I mean, like, literally, physically get around them, their bodies. They're going to hit me. They're going to spit at me. They're going to do some shit, and I'm not going to want to take it, and I'm going to fight one of them right off the bat to get it out of the way. And then, and that's the way it was. Every goddamn game in the American Hockey League, and I'm sure the East Coast Hockey League, I played a bit there a few years later, but 90s, early 2000s, that was it. And for a guy like me and Mac who fought and you know were, were relied on the score but also got in fights and were generally – you know, fairly tough. You, you, you're fairly tough just if you drop your gloves. But, you know, me and him didn't like fucking her. I didn't like that seatbelt shit either or fall down. My penalty minutes were legit. His penalty minutes were legit. Fighting tough guys. Let's go. It's part of the job. But, you know, I often look back now. People go, oh, you know, they're better skaters now. You probably wouldn't have got by in this day. I'm like, this day, there would be no anxiety at all. You could go into Philadelphia and just skate around and do whatever you wanted. I don't know. The only guy out there I'd probably be scared of is Jason, be aware of, would be uh, that Truba guy that hits you with your head down. Now, I always hated that worse than fighting. But knowing that you're going to take a knuckle sandwich every night from one of five guys that are as tough as Milan Lucic or Ryan Reeves every goddamn night, that yeah, was a hard mindset. Fuck. I mean, you know, there's always fast players. I say, like, the game changed and it sped up. But we were, I mean, you know, I played against Valerie Burre. He was no, he was a rocket. The, 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 the rocket and the rush, the, the Russian rocket was Brother Pavel. Valerie, what they call him? The, I don't forget, but, he, you know, they call him some version of rocket. But, you know, I, you know, I played against him in Spokane. I played with him in Montreal. You're not getting much faster. You're not getting much faster than Sergei Fedorov. The rules changed, right? Like, so, yeah, you take out the red line, the game's going to get faster. You stop hooking and holding, the game's going to get faster. But if we could have done that, we would have been guys flying around as well. So I don't think yeah, – I, I really, I got to be confident in my own – I don't know now if I would have been a first-liner. Like I'm sure they drafted me eighth overall. They expected me to get 50 in the NHL. I don't know if that would have happened. I did see it. It's a fucking hard league to play in and fit in. But I think if I evolved, you know, I could have chipped in 10, maybe 15. That would have been my goals. But I don't think skating would have been that, you know, I, whatever. I would have worked on it. I did work on it. There's players out there now that I don't consider great skaters agility-wise. Some are better than others. Some guys are powerful. Um, you know, I, I know it's more of a skater's game now because that's the way the rules went. But it's not like players that we were out there against weren't Great play, great skaters. Are you fucking kidding? Look when Paul Coffey played before me. He's probably one of the best skaters of all time. Uh, it, it was just the rules were different, and people could ho hook on you and everything else. But, uh, you know, any of those guys, Darcy Tucker would still make the NHL, right? I don't know. He, he was, wasn't a great-looking skater, but he would. I know he would. would stick up for players from my era, but I know he would. Especially if the rules were different, he'd probably be pretty fast out there. Uh, 
you know, I, I remember having to work on my agility, but and and I often say that, and I really did, but my legs were my one of my power attributes. Like I, I really, in a straight line, I power. Right, that changes over time, especially with a snapped ankle and everything. I don't skate now like I used to, but I remember taking pride in that element. My thing was like coming in the zone and you know one on ones out of the corner, like and and, and my my agility would would really. Um, it was vulnerable, you know, going to Montreal, I remember like, you know, those bull in the ring drills, like doing it with Saku Koivu and people like that, not easy. And uh, it really exposed my weaknesses. So I had to work on it, but I fit in, in the league. I mean, I, Ryan Smith wasn't a great skater. He skated around out there with some, you know, so, and, and Mac was the same way. I mean, I don't know if anybody knew him as this big fluent skater, but fuck, he could wheel, he could wheel, he could hit, fight, I still don't understand that he ended up playing four games with the Rangers, but look at those stats. I challenge you right now. Hockey DB, Jason McDonald from uh, Charlottetown PEI. What's Mac? A few years older than me. He's probably 48, 49 now, maybe. Yeah, he's 48 years old. He's uh, just those stats don't don't add up. Now I, I often see guys get called up to the show, you know, with like, three goals and four assists in, you know, 30 games in the minors. And that was unheard of. And maybe it was just me. Maybe it was our organization. But I remember scoring my 20th goal in the American League in my first year and being real pumped going, okay, whew, like, man, that's worthy of maybe getting called up. But, uh, you know, I if you if I had had, like, Seven goals at the end of the year. I remember having like three at Christmas and going, fuck, I'm going to get cut. Like, what am I calling home going like I should probably get a register for university after this contract? There's no way if I can't get fucking a point of game in the AHL, there's no way I'm getting up because it seemed like players got rewarded for getting a lot of points. And if it was a tough guy, a lot of fights, there was not much of this. We're going to call you up on potential. Right. Or if there was, I would have a lot more games, but you know, and I'm not. I think there should have been. I think there there really should have been. I'm not in any way putting down the the mind, the, the thought process of this particular era, but sometimes it does blow me away. I'm looking at it going, what? Like 42 games. Okay, he's been in the American League for two years. Last year he had literally three points in 40 games. This year we got 42 games played, four goals, five assists. I don't see it. What? Why would you call that up? <laughs> Unless you're extremely defensive, like my buddy Clark Bishop, who gets called up for that reason. Unless it's extreme role, and it's not usually. Right? The times I'm talking about are examples of like guys who are down there and seem to get called up on little to no stats whatsoever. I guess maybe this coursey shit, you know? It's probably analytics, someone looking at it going, you know, yes, he's got three goals in 42 games, but he carries the zone well with three minutes left through the neutral zone and we're getting burnt at that on Tuesdays. Maybe that's where we are. I, I don't fucking know. But anyway, Max statistics in the minors were well worthy every goddamn year he played of getting called up. And, and, and I think he not only could have played in the NHL, I think he could have been a force in the NHL. I really do. People will laugh, but look at the stats. If you have to go deep, you, 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 hockey's a small world. You will come across somebody at some point that played against or with Jason McDonald, and you fucking ask them if he was tough and if he could score. The answer is going to be yes. 
And the answer will be yes, more than some guys who play in the NHL. That's the way it works. Okay, so he's coming up in a couple of days. I'm really, really excited to talk to him. He's also an old school, real, real close friend of my family. I don't get to talk to him much. A lot of what I do is on social media, and I often lose touch with people, you know, and I hate that about myself and about social media and all that. I wish it was just phones, but you got to keep up with the Joneses, and you know what? Be careful what you wish for because most of my income now is generated towards things or because of things like this. So, But it is. It is a bit of a rat race, and uh, I lose touch with some friends that I used to talk to. You know, now it's like I talk to, like, thousands of people. Well, literally, but Hundreds of people are in my, like every day I might hear from hundreds of people right now, right? And that I don't mean you guys giving me a message, people I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know, uh, book agent, acting agent, anybody with Shorzy, anybody with my, my circle of friends, anybody that I've even ever spoken to, one of the bar owners, whatever it might, I might hear from any of those people because it's just going to be a mess. Some people that you've come to know through Instagram or whatever, uh, but back then, you know, when me and Mac hung out, there was cell phones. There was just no texting. So, you know, my phone would ring a few times a day, and it would be either my parents or a buddy. And uh, I don't know. Everybody had 10 to – I'm sure they had 100 people in my phone, but most of them I wouldn't talk to all the time. There was probably 10 to 20 people that I might talk to every day, and – I might not talk to any of them. That was just really the possibilities. So shit changed, right? And now it turns out one of the closest people to me that I would have talked to like that when the umbrella becomes huge. When the umbrella gets big, it's hard enough. When machines like Spittin' Chicklets, Shorzy, and, you know, the, the Habs were always a machine anyway. Those things, you know, they, they balloon up and, and all of a sudden the umbrella includes a lot of people that I don't know, right? And then... The interactions with that and, and you know, all of a sudden time's gone from people like Jason. Uh, now, I'm not saying everybody from that era is not on social media. David Ling, his buddy, that would have been one of those people I'm talking about. Well, he is on social media and I talk to Dave all the time. Uh, so, you know, part of it is, yay, hey, J-Mac, get with the fucking times and get on social media. But anyway, uh, and he is, I guess. It's, it, it, you know what? It's more me. It's more me. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Anyway, moving on. I got to go soon, but I'm going to give you a song. Rod Stewart, Maggie May. Great tune, right? Classic rock lovers probably, probably like that song, if nothing else. I, it's one of my favorites. It's a bit overplayed. But a couple of things about it that I love. The song is Rod Stewart, if you'll notice, especially in recent years, sings. It's a lot of covers. Even at his best, it was a lot of covers. Right. But he does write the odd gem. So he wrote this song, Maggie May. Uh, at least he co-wrote it, but most of it's introspective. He wrote most of it. Um, 
Maggie May, right? Uh, wake up, Maggie. I think I got something to say to you. Right? It's late September. So he's talking about an older lady. She's really a lot older. I guess I, I believe he's like 18, 19, 20, and she's in her 40s. And it's a tale of heartbreak, right? She she plays a number on him, and I guess she was coming out of a relationship and kind of used him just to fuck and, you know, please her own satisfy her own needs and he fell in love with her and the whole song and, and then he says you know but i love you anyway it's just beautiful it and it's a great rock song the words are poetic like in my life they, they they've resonated for a couple of reasons i can think of that situation you know being young and uh you know any older girl to me i remember dating a girl in her late 20s, 30s, when I was real, real early in my 20s. She was in her 30s, yeah, late 30s. And, um, you know, I really looked up to her. And, and, and I, 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 maybe it was an age thing and an experience thing, but I, looking back, I probably held her at a higher pedestal than maybe her peers did. I don't think she was – she was a great person, great, really smart and everything, but I just thought, like, the sun shone on her ass kind of thing. And um, what a weird saying that is. I don't know. I don't think it is a saying. It was just in my head. The sun shone on her ass. In any case, we're really, it, it kind of was like that. And it, I didn't go through a heartbreak that way, but I really looked up to her and I was really disappointed when, because I remember logic coming into it going, okay, like I'm 21. I'm wanting to bang everybody I go see at the bar, other women. Sorry, I'm nothing wrong with you're gay. I'm not. And, uh, you know, I was just realistic. I was like, I'm going on the road and I'm going to cheat on her a thousand times. And uh, she's still a friend. Um, but nothing like that has happened since. Just closed the chapter on that. And while it was, while I have some level of empathy, I didn't really go through like the pure heartbreak. That's only happened to me a few times ever and not at that age. So, uh, Yeah, I guess I can identify with part of the song, but it's beautiful. And the music is so good that you often, a lot of us know the lyrics word by word, right? But you just never even think about it. You don't think about what he's saying because it's pretty clear what he's saying in this. It's very, very straight up. Like once I, all I, all I needed to do was explain that part of it. The rest now you're going to listen and go, oh God, how did I not pick up on that? Right? How did I not pick up on that? Uh, anyway, yeah. A much older lady who Rod Stewart really, really adored and was in love with and broke his heart early, Maggie May. The other thing I love about it is that at some point, at the very, very end of the song, I believe it's, I believe it's called a mandolin. I'm doing a bad job. That's the notes. I'm trying to whistle it. But it's a mandolin, I think. Uh, but but you, you'll see at the very end of the song... That kicks in, and it's a beautiful and, and I, I I seem to recall him being interviewed and saying, you know, that's so good. It's such a great riff. It almost could be a hit in another. So you could have had two hits out of it, right? The Maggie May could have ended just at the end of the words, at the end of the lyrics. But it goes on into this really beauty mandolin for, for maybe another 30 seconds. And uh, – it really, really, it's overplayed. It's like Against the Wind by Bob Seger. I love it, but 
it's so overplayed and on classic rock stations and by myself when I was younger that I, I like maybe once every two years see it on my playlist and press play. It almost got to be an accident for it to come on. But when it does, I pump it and it came on me. Penny Lane and I were in the car and she said, I'll play that. It's a great song. Actually, no, it just came on on her playlist. I, I, I've kept her playlist ever since she's, you know, two. And I just keep adding to it so we can go back and see, you know, oh, remember that when I added Buddy Holly? And remember when I added Rihanna? Whatever it was. But uh, they came on and she goes, oh, I love this song. I said, yeah, I used to play it for you when you were three or four. But again, she loved it because it's such a great melody. And she pointed that out, too. She said, oh, that sound at the end. I said, yeah, it's wicked. And I said, now you're old enough to know the lyrics and what they mean. Now listen to this. Take the take the, the the music out of it completely. Just listen to what he's saying, you know. And it's it's a story of, you know. And to her, I, I don't know that she would know what heartache really is yet. I mean, hopefully she doesn't. But something happens to everybody. It does not always love. It happened to me when, you know, Penny Lane nearly moved out west. It was the same feeling. It was a feeling of I can't sleep. My anxiety is through the roof. I have to breathe heavy every fifth breath. Like people don't get it. I can't sleep if I wanted to. It feels like freight trains going through my elbows. Or if you do something stupid, if you do something stupid, that happened to me. Like I, I remember I, I punched Teddy Murphy, a referee from here. I played for the St. John's Leafs and, uh, and I kind of took it out on him and it was, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it now. It was fighting. He got in whatever I did. I did it. And then, uh, chirped at him afterwards and I remember that really bothering me happens a lot with refs because I lose my temper or with relationships you know you get in a heated argument and you say something and just makes you feel like shit man you know and especially if you lose that person it's happened to me a couple times I've been really in love with somebody and it didn't work out going through divorce my god I mean, you must love the person to start with if you're going to get married and then divorced it might have been a mistake in both cases for me it clearly was but you know you develop a relationship with that person and you go through a bit of heartache when it's over right so that's not a feeling i ever want again and uh you know lots of times tragedy leads to the best kind of art and you know, I could go on and on about that, but, you know, it really does. I think of a lot of your favorite movies or even songs or albums, and a lot are built out of some tragedy in the writers or the common experience. You know, common being like Bruce Springsteen, The Rising. Okay. The Beatles, All You Need Is Love. Uh, these songs were happening because there was a war going on or uh, Twin Towers in The Rising, whatever it would be, right? And then a lot of times, you want to use The Beatles again, I often do, In My Life. That's an introspective song based on Lennon who lost his, you know, lost family members earlier. He was raised by his Aunt Mimi. His mom didn't want to raise him. His dad wasn't around, right? So In My Life is a beautiful song, but born out of tragedy uh, a lot of Shakespeare's stuff a lot of the best movies if you think about it there's something tragic that happens uh, other than superhero movies a lot right and and because emotion is drummed up out of that's why love is so common a theme in songs and everything right love or what what's the epitome of positivity and the what, what inspires one you know it's either like being in love or 
you know, weddings and funerals, being in love or someone dying or relationship. I can't tell. I mean, think of Romeo and Juliet. Got all of it, right? That's why William Shakespeare was the cat, man. That's fucking 600 years ago. The language barely even sounded like it did today. In, in a year 1,000, you wouldn't even understand people talking. It was this mix of Gaelic, like Anglo-Saxon grunts, right? And then all of a sudden, three, 400 years later, comes Chaucer and fucking Shakespeare. And it's still almost indecipherable because it's so crazy. The depth of the language is nuts. How good were they? Right? I talk about the Beatles now because music is on the radio and it's what we took. But as far as writing, people around the world, a lot of people didn't even, most people didn't know how to read. A sentence was hard to understand or, or even portray for a lot of people. And Shakespeare's writing, you know, such creative shit. You might laugh at Romeo and Juliet, but think about it. If I could take one thing about Shakespeare's work, I'm not an expert. I got an English degree. I took a Shakespeare course, and obviously he came up in other – he came up in history courses, right? Shakespeare is just one of those things. It transcends one subject. But – and there's other great writers, but he's the best, man. And, uh, you know, I, I used to go like Romeo and Juliet. So if you think about those emotions of of, of death and love – they're both intertwined, right, in that in that story. If you don't know it and you've only heard of Romeo and Juliet and you know that he was this big lover and people don't, you're, you're big Romeo, right? Where Wherefore art thou Romeo? If you only know that and you don't know the stories of the Monte, the story of the Montagues and the Capulets, do yourself a favor. Go ingest any part of it, any, uh, you know, part of it. Sorry, my phone was ringing. Uh, Read it, listen to it, buy the Coles Notes version, watch the Leo DiCaprio Kate Winslet version. Uh, you know, that's a bit rocked up, but whatever. Whatever version you're going to see is fucking crazy story, very identifiable, right? Two families at odds, I mean, now more than ever, except Romeo was from one side and with the Montagues and Juliet Capulet was from the other. And neither family wanted to spend any time it was it was they hated each other right and then i don't want to give it away most people know what i'm talking about i'm guessing vast majority of people know how it ends in it but it is the ultimate story of love and tragedy and that's shakespeare fucking six hundred years ago five between five and six hundred years ago it's incredible and i the problem for me would be Growing up and hearing Shakespeare, like I would be some pansy or something. If I if that word offends you, I'm sorry, but that that's what it was. People would literally say that. I I loved acting, but I would never put it myself in the school play. I would have got beaten up. So that kind of mindset, you know, if I said I was into Shakespeare, definitely my friends would look at me like I had ten heads for sure. But you know, so if you're one of those people, I'm telling you, just start there. He's got lots of great stuff. Fucking Macbeth is unbelievable. Uh, and there are movies out there that dumb it down. They're like the Coles notes. They're the dumbed down version with not all the crazy language. I don't understand all the language. When I decide, when I break it down, it's beautiful, but I don't, I often can't. And I've, I've read all that stuff more than once. I got a book of Shakespeare, all his works. I got it for Christmas. I don't know where the hell that is. About 10 years ago. But anyway, Jesus. That's the last I'll probably recommend a play, 
But good God, it's one of the best things ever written, I tell you. Anyway, I'm rambling on. We'll be back in a couple days with Jason McDonald, episode 132B of Tales with TR. If you're in town and you want to go get conditioned, you want to work out, you want a better peace of mind and, and body, go to Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane for your body and mind, strength, balance, and movement. I'm telling you right now from personal experience, there's nowhere better to go. And it's very, very, very good for the body and mind. Pitbull Pain Relief. I'm telling you, the pain sticks are unbelievable. They're second to none. They work. Uh, I used them just last night. I've got an issue in my upper back that's been on the go since I'm in my early 20s, and nothing has helped it like these Pitbull Pain Relief sticks. I highly recommend them. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com. Mr. Lube, of course, there's two locations in town on Torbay Road and Kemmount Road. Live, Laugh, Lube. Check it out. If you're downtown St. John's, check out Trinity Pub, Greensleeves Pub, Bull and Barrel, Rob Roy Confusion, and TJ's. And if you're going to get a bite to eat, why not do it at Blue on Water? Why not do it at Merchant Tavern or Wedgwood Cafe? Folks, thanks. We're looking forward to talking with my buddy Jason McDonald in just a couple days. It's been fun. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Back soon. Catch you guys on the rebound. Thanks for listening.